Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 80. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's movie and pop culture blind spots and sharing our must-see movies from the past. Yes. (laughs) And guilty pleasures. We take turns, too. So this time it's my turn. I get to choose the choosing. The choosing of the choice. The choice. The choice of the choosing. (laughs) And Ashley had to endure a screening and report uh, immediately, six weeks later, to a podcast recording session, (laughs) which is my way of saying that we intended to put this out a long time ago, and life got away from us again, and I don't even know what we're doing anymore, but we'll keep putting these out as long as we can. (laughs) Just dump a lot of them in February. Should we just do one episode that covers four movies or something? Maybe no. we should do that. Just well, we do have minutes. a holiday coming up. Fifteen so minutes maybe, per movie. Maybe That's we it. can get like three or four movies in the can. Yeah. And uh, and actually release these on a regular schedule again. Perhaps is this too meta? I don't know. Is it too apologetic or defensive? Yes. Speaking of apologetic and defensive, they say you know when you're making a presentation, don't apologize for any. Because people aren't going to notice. This would have been so much better. If we had actually (laughs) done this well, no. No, I don't. I don't don't know. I I immediately had things to talk about. Well, we didn't. So that's why I was like, well, we should go ahead and do this, even though it's been two weeks. Okay. So you picked Fish Tank. (laughs) Yes. Fish Tank. It's a 2009 British film by Andrea Arnold. Yeah. And it stars unknown actor, amateur actor Katie Jarvis mm. as a 15-year-old girl growing up in a council housing estate in Essex. Yeah, it's like I guess like east of London, like Yeah, it's like east. It's it's east Tilbury. Towards, towards the channel. Yeah. It's a town called Tilbury. Tilbury, yes. In Essex. Yes, I looked it up on my phone. Oh, good. So did I. <laughs> I remembered they mentioned it. Um, so, where shall we begin? Uh, so I, I usually we talk about why I, or why not I saw this and I, I don't know why. I mean, like I probably in 2009 was into indie films. Um, it probably just missed our radar somehow. I don't know. I hadn't heard of it. Well, I mean, you don't have to explain yourself to me. Yeah. I didn't see this. Well, that's, I... that's the point. I'm explaining. <laughs> I thought I'm supposed to say why I chose the movie. Why did you choose the movie? <laughs> um, no, I didn't see the movie in 2009 either. I probably saw it in 2011. I think this falls into the in-between limbo times where I was living in an apartment in San Antonio. Okay. Okay. And like reconnecting with indie cinema because... Um, my family had moved to Austin mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, I had my little apartment during the week, uh, where I worked before I was able to make my way back to Austin and get a, get a job there and rejoin the family. Um, so I just started like streaming stuff on Netflix or renting, um, checking out stuff from the library collection. And I was really interested. I don't know. I don't know how I stumbled on this. No. There's no deep and profound reason. I was yeah. just trying stuff out. It's around the same time that I found Chop Shop. Because I, yeah. I think it's a, sort of the same time period. And I've always really liked that kind of neorealist, kind of naturalistic 
thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everyday people sometimes, you know, struggling. Yeah. Handheld cameras, like slice of life, gritty. And, um, and then you make it British too. And it's, it's got even more going for it. You make it British. But I wanted to show it to you because it's always haunted me and it's always stuck with me. And I've always, I always remember it. And I always think of it as one of the great movies made in the last few years by a female film director. Yeah. And I just wanted to cover more of that kind of thing on our show. And when I learned that you hadn't seen it, I was like, you should really see this because it's, it's really good. And, you know, I haven't seen everything. I, I Really, actually, I don't know if I've seen much that Andre Arnold's done at all. She's made a few feature films. Mm -hmm. But um, she did American Honey a few years ago. Which I would still very much like to yeah, see. Yeah, and I didn't see that. She did a, she made an adaptation of Wuthering Heights, um, I think, after Fish Tank. I mean, you know, in like the next film after Fish Tank. And the thing that I have seen that she did is she directed the entire second season of that Nicole Kidman, uh, Reese Witherspoon show on HBO. Uh, oh, we only saw half of that. Though. Big Little Lies. Yeah. Or something big, like that. Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we ever finished It's amazing that. that I actually said Big Little Lies and not Pretty Little Liars or yeah. something else because I always get it wrong. Um, so there you go. Oh, and Michael Fassbender. That's I right. Am on, I'm on team Michael Fassbender. I've always... I don't know about that, but... <laughs> well, I'm not talking about him as a person. Yes. <laughs> you were telling me some things about him not so good. But around this time, Michael Fassbender was in everything. Yeah. There are three or four years where he was, like, in all the indie movies. He was in bigger movies. He was in, like, whatever the alien movie, Predator... Uh, not, I don't know what it's called. Alien versus Predator? No. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the alien movie that Ridley Scott did that... It's the oh, prequel. Pro Prometheus? Pro Prometheus. Yeah, he's yeah. in there. Whatever. He was in everything. I seen it, he was but. in everything. He was in um, Shame um, by Steve McQueen, the guy who did 12 Years a Slave, who's also another of the great contemporary British directors. Um, so, yeah. Fastbender, unknown actor, gritty realism, a story about a young woman yeah. told honestly in a way that you don't see very often and written and told by a woman. Yeah, I, I I like that aspect of it in that it, to me, is a truer story than... It's actually kind of similar to that... What was the movie about the, like, boy from, like, some coal mining town who wants to dance and his dad doesn't want him to dance and then he ends up... And then they made a musical about it, but there's a... Billy... Billy something. Billy Elliot? Elliot, yeah, maybe. Elliot, Elliot Billy? Billy Elliot? <laughs> Billy Elliot. It's, it's, it's Billy Elliot, right? So, I mean, like, our, Mia, our character, she likes to dance. Yeah. You know, but her, she doesn't get this heroic rise to glory like Billy Elliot. Which this is like, isn't Rocky. This isn't no, like no. the, this is, the dancing is not the thing that's going to save her. Yeah. Yeah. But it is her escape. I really, it's a very realistic viewpoint of like what it's like to live on the fringes of a capitalist society where like it's really fucking hard to get out of where you started you know that like getting enough money or enough support or enough of anything together in order to go to school or you know pr pursue a dream like, I mean, like, basically, you're just waiting around for luck that somebody would recognize you and, like, 
recognize your star potential and pluck you out of the, you know, because otherwise it's hard to do that, you know, and, and, you know, 15 year olds usually don't have the wherewithal to do that, you know, so. Well, here's the thing. I don't even think that she's doing it with the purpose of trying to. She's just trying to escape the. So what we have is, you know, she lives in like a crappy council flat. It's, and boy, the right? architecture, it looks just like every other. We watched some other movie last year that had that was set in a council flat. And the architecture is nearly identical. I think it's something we saw at South by Southwest yeah, online. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she lives with her, her single mom. Mm-hmm. Her mom's really young. She obviously had Katie yeah, very young. She, she doesn't look much older than 30. She has a younger sister. Yeah. Um, th- they might not even be from the same dad, you know, yeah. like, um, and she's kind of prowling the streets and wandering around and she, and her, her sort of, she's not wanted at home. She's yeah. always in the way. Her mom always has boyfriends over. Yeah. Her sister always tells her to F off and, you know, yeah. they just, they, they, they scream at each other as siblings yeah. do and call each other <laughs> bitches and stuff like that. Or worse. I think it's the C word since it's a British movie. Yeah. <laughs> and her thing is, like, she goes off and into um, uh, an empty yeah. apartment in the estate. Like, a squat breaks in. I mean, whatever. She can get into it. And every day, you get every day, maybe even more than once a day, she goes in there with her little music setup, her CD player, and a couple of teeny tiny little speakers you can plug into them. And she puts on her hip-hop and she just dances. Yeah. And that's kind of how we meet her in the beginning, I think, is yeah. that's her routine. And that's her escape. I didn't get the sense, at least initially, that there's anything of an aspiration to that other than she just needs to go into that room and fucking dance it out yeah. sometimes. I mean, it's it's pretty bleak, you know. It's a small, like, industrial town, I guess. Yeah. You know... Probably there's shipping in and out of London or something like that. So it doesn't seem like there's a lot of prospects. They have like a tiny, like, worn down high street that she goes to. Is there like an internet cafe or something that yeah, she ends a, up going she to? She goes to an internet cafe. <laughs> and I, I can't remember if that's... It might be outside of that where she sees the flyer for the dance audition that yeah. she ends up doing. But she's also just in there watching YouTube videos of other, like, hip-hop... Female hip-hop dance crews. Yeah. And that's when you kind of get an idea that... Maybe she's like, I want to be like one of them, be in the little crew and you know, yeah. perform on the street and like make money and stuff like that. Well, and you can't do that in no. in Tilbury or wherever it is they are. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, this this movie had a lot of like, we're sitting there watching it and like this, like it gave me this like dread feeling like. You know, when she first sees the flyer, I'm like, okay, any flyer that's, like, taped to an internet cafe in this little industrial town, this is not going to be the hip-hop dancing experience that she's looking for. It's probably going to be an adult. So, that's actually, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, spoilers. Yeah. We're going to be spoiling this yeah. along the way, because that's actually doesn't come out until the Well, that's this the is just the end. first example of a bigger, yeah. bigger thing that comes up. But, like, this sort of, like, foreshadowing of, like, things are not going to work out, you know, 
in the way that that one would hope or that the character would hope or that you know anybody well, with, that was rooting with for her would would hope you know so she's 15 yeah and she's kind of rough or she thinks of herself as rough she's like you'd say she's kind of streetwise and at least mm-hmm. has that kind of attitude right yeah the swagger and all that you know she's walking around yelling at uh, like she headbutts another girl within the first yeah. five minutes of the movie. Yeah. So, so <laughs> that's the opening scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but she's actually pretty naive, mm-hmm. and so I think that's what you're getting at is she doesn't actually have a lot of so yeah she knowledge I mean, about how the world works and what you're gonna find out there and how things may not be what they seem to be. So the advertisement says it's for hip hop urban style dancing. All styles welcome. All styles welcome. But you know. You know, t- you know, to 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 spoil it, I mean, like when she gets there, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be, which is it's an adult. Now listen to this all though. Da- adult dancing, you know, now, audition. <laughs> I've seen the movie before. Yeah. This is only my second time yeah. seeing it, but her need for that to be something else, yeah. actually fooled me for a while. Yeah, because if I think honestly about what my how I experienced it, I think probably both times I saw the movie is when I initially see the flyer, I go, oh, God. And I know exactly what it's yeah. a flyer for. But the seriousness which was, with which she rehearses a routine yeah. and she borrows a camcorder from her mom's boyfriend, Connor. Yeah. We will be talking about Connor at length soon, I, I assume. Yes. And um, and prepares for that and puts you know sends the tape in the mid- Like, it's this, whole, it's this whole goal, right? Yeah. And, like, there's a part of you that kind of leaves behind. Well, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe it's maybe it's not as bad as that. You hope that you're wrong. Because (laughs) you see how much now, maybe it's the first time that she's thought of of being able to do something like this that she loves that can get her out of this. Yeah. So you want it to work out. And then when it turns out to be exactly what you thought it was, then... Then you're like, well, of course that's what it was. Yeah. But it's crushing to her. It's very sad. She just gets she just walks away from the audition. Yeah. I mean, she gets to the point where she goes up on stage. She goes to the audition in a tracksuit. Yeah. With her hair back. <laughs> and everybody's and everybody else is in like spandex. Something skimpy, <laughs> spandex, hot pants, yeah. and doing Basically erotic dancing kind of stuff. Not even very erotic dancing. No. But <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's kind of the first. Um, but I guess I guess I should start, like, the where it was unexpected was the the sort of introduction of the, the horse, the horse and the boy, you know, that's associated with the horse. So she's just wandering around town after headbutting a girl, and she sees a horse tied up randomly in a field. It's in a vacant lot. Yeah. It's not even in a field. It's yeah. like in a paved like lot. Yeah. And she goes to try to free the horse, although I don't know what the goal, I mean, like, of freeing the horse. But anyway, she wants to free the horse, and she gets kind of, like, scared off by the boys who, who, who own the horse. And one of them in particular is not as evil as the other boys. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> yeah. He's okay. He's okay. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, you know, that ends up being sort of the way out 
for her, you know, in the end. It's it's like a, it's a, it's a metaphorical white horse. It is. Well, that's he is well, the white. He is that. the symbol of. How does the horse <laughs> does the horse work for you? Because it seems so overtly. Yeah, yeah. Like the horse is Mia, or the horse is her needing to be free, or something yeah. like that. But it actually works. Yeah, yeah. I think it does because it's actually a real horse. Also, yeah. <laughs> They don't know. They never really explain why they have the horse, except that it's a family of travelers. Or yeah, yeah. They're, they're, the boys are probably brothers or something like mm. that. Um, they have an old horse. Yeah. A sick old horse that they keep chained up all day. And I, that's another thing. That's right in the first five minutes yeah. of the movie. She sees the horse for the first time and impulsively like grabs a, a, a cinder rock. block or rock yeah. and tries to smash the chain mm. it she comes back a couple of times before they to chase try her to off. free the yeah. horse yeah but it's it's this weird c plot or something going yeah. through of mia and, and the horse well you know it kind of reminds me of um happy go lucky in a way and that there were a lot of scenes that gave me that sort of dread you know as as a, a, a woman alone going into these circumstances with i mean essentially no protection i don't know if you necessarily have that reaction or if it's just me as as I experience the world but like when she goes in there by herself I mean there's this sense of danger so there's this risk that she's taking with her safety I had that feeling when the I think the second time she comes back and they actually catch her yeah and they wrestle with her. I mean they're Whole, yeah. You don't know what they're going to do to her. Yeah. And she manages to pull away and, 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 run away. and get away. Yeah. You don't know how that's going to go. So I have, I had that feeling there. There's an, there were a couple other odd places where you got that feeling of like how isolated she is. And there's mm-hmm. a moment, one of the times when she's, has just danced in her, her vacant yeah. squat room and she looks outside off the balcony and there's a bunch of like thuggy teenage boys out there wandering yeah. and she looks scared. Like, I don't know if she knows them or recognizes or thinks they're coming for, but she gets uneasy and then kind of leaves the situation. Yeah. Like, it just cuts to her going home, but there's a weird moment where, where she seems to feel uneasy seeing them down there. Yeah. I mean, there's just, I mean, for me, there was just, I mean, and she's very young too, on top of everything else. It just, it just feels like a lot of the situations that she puts herself in are are dangerous. And I mean, like, I think that she's aware of that danger, you know, but um, I mean, that comes into play later when when sort of the, like the ultimate thing happens. But I guess we should talk about so her mom has a new boyfriend, Michael Fassbender, Michael Fassbender, Connors, Connor. Name? Yeah. I mean, and it, at first he seems like a good guy. Like, he's he 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 really seems to like her mom, you know. He's charming. Yeah. He's friendly. He's friendly. He's yeah. devilishly handsome. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't I don't. He seems. He seems like he likes having the girls around. Yeah. Like he's not annoyed or put off, but you know by. Like being with this woman and her kids or anything like that. Yeah. He seems willing to kind of step in. Now, I don't know if he ever is 
being a surrogate father. There's a lot of weirdness about his role immediately, I think. Yeah, I think that, I mean, well, I mean, I just like, it seems like a lot of physical contact with children that you aren't, aren't your own in the first week of knowing them is a little creepy. Yeah. (laughs) I, I wanted to see like how early on you got alarm bells about him and the way he's relating to Mia in particular. So like, I think about this cause you know, I have, I have stepkids and I think, and I have nieces and nephews and like, to be honest, because your girls were older when I came into their lives than my brother's kids were, I feel like I can be more like, I don't know, like, because I, I helped them when they were toddlers and, and stuff like that. Like, I have a physical closeness that I have with those kids that I don't have with your children. Yeah. And that's because they were teenagers when I came into their lives, uh, approximately. So, like, to me, it's weird to just suddenly start ta- touching other people's children. That's just, like, like, even if it's not sinister, even if it's just a hug, I think it's weird that when, like you're starting to date someone that you immediately, well, one, immediately meet their children, but two, immediately start, like, taking them to their bedrooms and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So it was it was uncomfortable from the beginning to me, <laughs> you know, from the very beginning. And I was hoping, because she needed a father figure so bad, I was hoping that he was just that and then I was being oversensitive, you know, but... But like the the like I started getting that uncomfortableness pretty early I on. I got I don't now I can't go back to my first time seeing yeah. it. But I but of course I knew what was gonna happen. Yeah. So I was surprised at how early the red flags and alarm bells start yeah. to ring. Like almost right away. Yeah. Like he's very kind and nice and friendly and present. Yeah. But I think he's flirting with Mia almost from the immediately or something. Yeah. The looks last a little too long or not the right kind of look yeah. when he when he watches her or looks at her. So it's it's very well done because it doesn't hit you over the head, but it's there. Yeah. And it needs to be there cuz it's going to go somewhere. I don't I don't know like I don't think he goes into that situation expecting to take advantage of this in some way. It's it's and very yet, weird. And I, yet a while into it, there came a point where I felt like I think he's grooming her or something like yeah. that. And I don't know what it where that was, if it was when they started to connect over music and maybe that trip to the lake or where the creek or where yeah. and he's taking care of her foot and then they yeah. end up dancing in the parking lot. That's starting to get a little like they're on a date or something like yeah. that. It's not fatherly at that point. Well, I just it's, I mean, I guess and like I don't know, it seems like like, her mother seems, like, completely oblivious to it and is, like, completely fine with this random guy coming into her life and, like, being so involved with her family quickly. You know, it's just, like, it's just, like, alarm bells, like, all over the place. Like, and, and you know... 
But I got the sense that before him, there was just probably a string of guys like that who come yeah. through. And so maybe he's the first one that seems like actually a good guy in a while. Yeah. I think there's everybody has a lot of hope in it's, him. It's 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 hard to. I mean, like once you know what happens, like it's hard to go back and and think think of it without any like. But no, I I mean like pretty much like I was like as soon as they started hitting those notes of like him looking a little too long or paying too much attention or or she 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 comes into the kitchen yeah. the next morning like in her underwear or yeah. something and her mom's like put some clothes on yeah what the hell you know yeah and so that's her doing that but yeah you're right that the, she, Mia gets drunk the night of her mom's party she yeah. she drinks some of the alcohol around the house or something like that yeah she stills like a bottle and, of vodka um, or something he carries her up to her room and he doesn't put her down and cover her up he addresses her yeah takes which off her unnecessary je- takes off her shoes and her socks and her jeans folds and then stands there folding the jeans yeah like a parent kind of weird thing to do yeah but i wouldn't do that no <laughs> yeah so i i just feel like this guy is preying on so maybe he didn't start out like maybe he was just taking advantage of the mom and then an opportunity present he's an equal opportunity well and he's totally fucked up bag. too yeah. like he's sitting on the sofa drinking the night that something happens yeah. in the middle of the night yeah i don't i i don't know so i mean like i guess for 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 backstory we should know that this guy has a secret he's married and has a kid he has a family so he never had any intention of, of you know, staying with Mia's mom. And so, I mean, like, essentially, he's just getting his rocks off. He's also... In all sorts of ways. He's also of a higher socioeconomic status. Yeah, they're... They they're, live in a, a nice house in the suburbs. Yeah. And he, I mean, it's, he's more like lower middle class or something like that. Yeah. He's, he's got... A house and a, a garden and a family. And, they have you know, a car. They have know? a car. Yeah. He's got a job as a, is he a security agent at like the Home Depot kind of thing? Or yeah, something like I think this? he's, or a customer service person Some, at the Home yeah. Depot. Or whatever. whatever the British equivalent is. We don't know Home the Depot names is. of your stores. <laughs> but yeah, I just, that was one of those things like where I was, hope, because it's so clear that this, she really appreciated having a father figure in her life. And then also it's very natural for, you know, a younger girl to, you know, develop some sort of romantic ideation around, you know, older guys, you know, that happens. But like, he he takes advantage of that situation. Where well, when you get into the sort of grooming or taking advantage of it situation, he starts to kind of mentor her about the dancing and the music yeah and that's the, so and that you're hoping that sh- that he'll he'll end up being a good guy you're, you're and, like she needs somebody yeah. to believe in this thing of hers yeah she needs that kind of encouragement she needs somebody to say you're doing something cool and you should stick with it you should take a shot at this but then okay 
in hindsight, she shows him the flyer. He knows what she's auditioning for, right? Doesn't yeah. she show him the flyer? Yeah. She shows him the flyer when she goes to the to, to his work that time. That's right. Yeah. He know he how can he not know that's not an audition for a strip club or erotic dancing kind of thing? I'm sure he did. I mean like So that's a bit weird. If you were if he actually was like a father figure or a dad figure and not like basically a leering man with an opportunity. Yeah. Right in his own home where he's staying. He ends up staying with them. Why would he let her pursue that? Why would he encourage that? Like, what does it mean for him to lend the video camera to her? Or to give her, or, you know, I guess she steals his CD to to play. The Bobby Womack, uh, California Dreamin'. You know, it's it's just that particular, like, it's so... unsettling to me that whole situation you know and it it's it does it seems like terribly classist like he can go slum it in the cheap side of town and you know pick up people and and then throw them away yeah just walk away when you're done yeah or oh shit i fucked up i made him like yeah maybe he does genuinely feel awful after it happens after because he leaves yeah But he can just leave. Yeah. It's really hard to watch. And then... Well, I, I mean, mean, like, he's... he's. I mean, like, to, to be British about it, he's a shit person. Regardless, I mean, like, even if that had, hadn't happened, he's a shit person. But he's an especially shit person, you know. Well, he's still cheating on his... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, his wife. Yeah. And left his child and you know treated this this woman you know terribly you know and it seems like he does this regularly perhaps you know i don't know so does that like is the movie about that relationship or is that or is the movie about mia and that's one of the things that happens like like, it's about mia because I, I feel like the temptation is if you're going to describe the movie, you're going to start talking about it in terms of her and his relationship, her relationship with Connor. Well, that is older the man. sort of relationship that carries the. But there's a lot. Her story is bigger than that. Yeah, yeah, it is. I guess it just gives you the marker, the the arc for that. For yeah, you will because at the same time she starts hanging out with Billy, the horse boy. You know, and who's like, probably more closer to her age, and they're able to like talk about things, you know, and you know I they have, seem to have fun together. I have hope stuff. for her and Billy. Yeah, I mean, well, they, I mean, she's fifteen. I mean, how much hope can you have for a relationship that starts at fifteen? But hey, he's he's closer to her age. Yeah, he talks to her, treats yeah. her like a person. Yeah, and they're gonna go off and have a, an adventure together. Yeah. So I mean I you know I hope what I hope they go to London. They're like thirty minutes from. They're London. going to Wales. Remember? Oh, they're, they're going to Wales. Is that yeah. where they ended? Yeah, up? he yeah. says I know some people in Cardiff. You know, oh, okay. Let's let, want to go. I don't know how much urbane dancing there is in Cardiff. All I know about Cardiff is that Doctor Who is shot there. So maybe they're Doctor Who fans. No. Yeah. <laughs> um. That's the boy she should at least have a starter relationship with. Yeah. Not creepy 
awful, abusive things with her mom's boyfriend. So one thing that her mom was trying to send her somewhere. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure, but when I saw it this time, I thought that what was happening was that this might have been a consequence of the breaking the girl's nose in the beginning. Oh, okay. So she headbutts the girl. Mm. She's had a fight with her best friend, and then she like breaks the nose of one of her friend's friends or something like that. That crew, yeah. <laughs> and um, and later, um, her sister and her mom are like, "The cops are looking for you. I guess you broke that girl's nose." So this is kind of playing out the whole time in the movie. Yeah. And then later, I think um, a social worker yeah. is coming to talk about placing her in some kind of I don't know if it's like a therapeutic boarding school or, or yeah. a social services kind of like I didn't it it seemed like I don't know if it was like a juvenile yeah. justice kind of like you guys can't handle her and we're going to put her somewhere yeah. kind of thing what did you get that kind of implication uh, yeah, I, I wasn't... Or was it... it I, didn't mean, se- I mean, it didn't seem like it was something that was like a reward for good behavior. No, it's not like she's like going that. to the School of Performing Arts <laughs> or, or something. No. It, so, and, and what I'm not clear is, like, they weren't going to school, so this, I guess, was in the summertime or something like that, so... Yeah, school, it seems like it's the summer. There's no, there's no reference to school yeah. whatsoever. It's probably the summer of her 15th year... And none of these kids have jobs or anything to do yeah. but waste time around the flat, the estate. You're thinking. Yeah, I am thinking. I just, to me, it's like, I've been spending a lot of time on um, Reddit lately, like reading about... Um, you know, just just different experiences that people have with our system that we have in the West. I mean, and it's spreading everywhere, but essentially that, you know, capitalism, like, exists on this, you know, platform of, of like, people, you know, working to support those above us, you yeah. know. And then they striate us into these levels to make us seem like, you know, that, that, oh, we're not like those people. But, like, in actuality, anybody who works for a living is in the same boat as, you know, and it's it's just for, like, luck of circumstance and, you know, access to opportunity that you're able to sort of put yourself in, in this level where you're still working all the time, but you're, you know, so, so this is kind of like at the, you know, you know, where essentially, I mean, there just aren't many opportunities to move up. And like, once you get there, it's so hard to pull yourself up into anything. So like, the schools are terrible. So, you know, because there's no money for the schools. So then there's no opportunity for you to educate yourself out of the poverty that you're in. And, like, every system that we have in place just, like, perpetuates that and makes it harder and harder for people to... And then, you know, the few people that are able to, out of luck or circumstance, able to lift themselves a couple of levels up, you know, then we hold them up as examples, like, oh, if you work hard. But, like, if everything 
in the system is like keeping you down. <laughs> you know, there. I mean, the best you can hope for is freedom, I guess. You know. Well, in to, in, in Britain too, you have yeah. that whole kind of sorting of are you going to university or are you going into a trade kind yeah. of thing that happens pretty young, yeah. around her age probably. Yeah, it's it's about that age. You know, you're either career track or or college track or whatever it is, you know. So, I mean, you have a sense that your life is mapped out. From, yeah. Like, I have a sense that she's going to be her mom, basically. Yeah. Like, it's, it's you feel like there's a cycle we're watching yeah. here. Yeah. The mom was probably her 10 yeah. years ago or 15 yeah, years 15 ago, years 15 ago. years ago. Yeah, her mom probably had her when she was about her yeah. age. But, I mean, I I, I don't know how... I mean, and, and, like, so I will say, at least in England, they have a supportive system. They have somewhere to live. They have health care that they can... You know, we don't have those security things here. The they school's ha- there the, yeah, the, the, on the council. They have, they, the I mean, at least these people aren't going to starve to death or freeze to death in their homes because they don't have, you know, basic sustenance and a place to stay and... You know, all of that, you know, which we we don't have here in the United States. It is just basic subsistence. They're just kind of living. Yeah. So, I mean, like, and, and then, and then there's this like terrible judginess from the middle class that's like, you know, oh, you know, how can you live that way? How can you, I mean. How can you live in squalor? Yeah. I mean, like, as if, as if like, it's something that you can just go grab off the tree. Don't you want to better yourself? Yeah, Yeah. That sort of thing. It's just so, because, I mean, it's like. I had an employee that um, worked for me um, and like I I really wanted to hire her because she was super smart, but um, she was experiencing homelessness and like the effort that she needed just to find a place for her and her child to sleep like every night she couldn't come into work because she was constantly dealing with the emergency of like what's going to happen the know, next night and you know we need to stay with my mom my mom can't watch my kid you know it was it's like there's no it's not easy it's so hard just to try to get by you know when you're there that i mean like how can you even pay attention to to anything that would allow you to i, I don't know it's it's just It's frustrating and depressing and, and like, you know, there, but, you know, for, I mean, like, essentially, like, it would, you know, a major disaster and it could be us, you know, that could be there too, you know, and, and, and there seems to be no will to change that, you know, and then, and you've got these like amazing girls that have, you know, all this that they can offer to the world and and you know we're wasting all of that human potential because we have to i don't know prop up more billionaires sorry i'm getting all socialist here but it seems like a, a good launching off point for a film like this yeah but i want i want mia to have a good life and i want her to be able to enjoy things and not have to feel like she's you know, has to find a dude in order to, you know, gain some level of freedom that she could have some agency of herself that, that like her, her future doesn't just have to be, I'm going to be with this guy until I get pregnant and he leaves me. And then I'm again, you know, either back with my mom or in a different, 
you know, mm-hmm. housing place in Wales, right. you know, living the same life, but not able to, you know, see family because it's expensive to travel back across the country and I don't have a car and all of these things, you know. So, in whatever small way, I feel like we we end on a note of hope yes. when she... Because, you know, we are talking about what is the story of this movie? Is it the story of her and her mom's boyfriend? It's the story of the day she decides to leave. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the arc that takes her to the point where it's time to walk out and drive away. Yeah. And so I think the last, one of the last shots of the movie is her driving away in the car with the traveler boy, Billy, yeah. and looking out the back window at her little sister, waving at her after having just like cursed her out again. Yeah. Said, I hate you, bitch. <laughs> and I, I hate you too. And they hug. And then you see her little sister getting smaller and smaller in the distance, standing there. And then it cuts to the, um, an air, uh, kind of an aerial view of the tower apartments and a little balloon kind of just floating away. Yeah. One last little image of, of freedom or something like that. It's very nice. But it, <laughs> it makes me feel like, okay, she may be ending, heading towards the same kind of thing in Cardiff or whatever, but there is some kind of triumph for her to decide to get out of this immediate yeah. situation and maybe be with somebody... Uh, who treats her like a human being. Yeah. Her, I mean, I think her mom's pretty verbally abusive, if yeah. maybe physically abusive too. Yeah. I mean, her mom tells her at what point, at one point, you know, did I ever tell you I almost got you aborted? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Even made the appointment. So one thing that we haven't talked about, yeah. <laughs> I try not to get, uh, I, I guess I've been dwelling a lot on on this, on how unfair our system is to, I mean, especially young girls and especially women of color, even, even more so. But, um, but what, we, what we haven't talked about is uh, when Mia discovers uh, Connor's secret family. Yeah. And she breaks into his house and pees on his rug. <laughs> Finds the video cassette. Yeah. That shows that he has a family, right? Yeah. So I think she just breaks into his house. She doesn't realize that he has a family at that point until she sees the video of... Yeah. Um, and then he sees her, drives her to the train station, and... Then she walks back to his house and kidnaps his daughter <laughs> mm-hmm. for an afternoon. <laughs> okay, so you asked me earlier yeah. about dread, yeah. and I was going to wait till we got to this yeah. moment in the story. Because did you not think that she was going to kill that kid or let something terrible happen to that kid? I thought something might happen to the kid, but it's funny to watch that. So, like... It ends up just being like a fool. Like, I think she just does it on an impulse. She, like, takes the kid and starts running across the field. It's almost just this kind of malevolent, like, impulse. Yeah. That just... But I was... I had kids. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And when she led that kid off, and it's getting darker, and they're wandering into fields, and, and, like, they're really, like, going to an isolated place, I just got the worst 
yeah feeling of dread yeah like something terrible was going to happen she was going to something was going to happen yeah i don't i didn't know if she was going to do something to this kid leave this kid somewhere now if you recall she struggles with the kid and the kid falls into the water and nearly drowns i think it's like the so if if i got past the moment where it's like okay she's not gonna actually like i don't know what yeah. Hit her with the brick or something like that. <laughs> like, there's nothing that makes you think Mia would do that. And yet it's such a strange, unsettling, awful, weird, yeah. terrible moment when she leads this, she kidnaps this child. Yeah. That you don't know, you don't, as a viewer, I don't feel like I'm on safe ground anymore and I don't know what's going to happen. So you get past that immediate thing. You have a sense that she's going to lead the kid back. And they get into a struggle and the kid falls into the water. And then yeah. I'm like, well, now the kid's going to drown. Yeah. Well, it's at that and point. And it's going to be a like stupid tragedy. Every bad thing that could have happened happen, has happened at this point. So you're like, okay, now she's going to end up in jail. It's going to be like that Bjork movie. <laughs> Nothing is like that Bjork movie. <laughs> The kid is fine. She takes the kid back after she pulls him out of the water. But then, then you get another scene where she, like, is walking down the road in the dark. And, like, Connor's car stops. And she, like, runs out into the field. And you don't know if he's going to, like, strangle her or or what. You know, it's like, okay, this ends with a dead kid in a field one way or the other. It's um, funny how we can say yeah. that now because yeah. like, as a whole, the movie does, is not the kind of movie that's going to end up with the dead kid in a field. Yeah. But. <laughs> but he ends up just slapping the crap out of her, which, I mean. He shakes her, slaps her, and then yeah. just li- runs off and gets into his car and drives yeah. away. So, I mean, like. I mean, like, one one could hope that Connor will stop being a terrible person. I mean, like, obviously you can't stop being a terrible person. He will always be a terrible person, but maybe so, he'll stop acting like a terrible person after this, you know? I may not have the sequence right, but yeah. I think it's actually after that that she has that audition. I, I believe so, yeah. It's like that's the next day. Yeah. <laughs> so, this poor girl's life. So... Uh, I want to talk about the acting and I want to talk about Katie Jarvis for a moment. And like, what do you think she brings to this movie? You know, she had no acting experience whatsoever. Does she pull it off? Does she do this? Is Yeah. Like, I, how does this work? What did Andrea Arnold see in this girl on a street corner that that made her, you know, say you're the one who should be in this film? I, I mean, she's extraordinary. I mean, you know, there's a story of this happening quite a bit in sort of indie films of, of people picking, you know, non-actors and having them play complex roles. And, like, the thing about it is, is if you don't have any acting training, like, you, I mean, like, it's really easy to overact in a scene if you're trying to analyze all the different things that somebody could feel, you know, and sometimes you don't need like eight facial expressions to say all of that. Sometimes you just need someone that, you know, has, you know, has an interesting enough face 
and can, I, I don't know, I, you know, I don't, and, and also like a lot of those kind of movies, like they're, they're people who, who live in, in these places that they're, that they're filming and they have had these experiences in their lives. And so there's not this sort of like putting on of, of things. It's just, this is, this is how things are. This is No, how... it's like they found a Mia yeah. in real life and then put her at the center of this story. Yeah. So I don't know what it is, but she has, she has this presence, this like volatility, this, mm. she's very angry and yeah. she's very tight tightly wound i guess like she's yeah. she's not she's she always has her guard up yeah you know and so which makes it that much more horrible when connor takes advantage of her because the guard is starting to come down yeah you're starting to see her smile you're yeah. starting to see her dance in front of other people and the dancing has always been her that secret thing, thing that yeah. that she does um she's so good i yeah. mean so I don't know if you came across this in your research, but one thing that I learned is that um, Andrea Arnold decided to give Katie Jarvis, well, I think the the entire cast, she only gave them a page of script at a time. Mm. And they filmed the movie in sequence, in linear order, which is never done. Interesting. But because Katie Jarvis was an amateur actress... They just wanted her, they didn't want her to worry, like you were saying about yeah. the whole story and the whole trajectory and where it's going. They just wanted to show her to show up and kind of like figure out that day and like be living in that moment of the movie yeah. as a as yourself, as a person, as that character. And it really worked amazingly well. Yeah. It's very, I don't know, it feels very true. I mean, I've seen terrible amateur actors but she's yeah. the one thing i will say though um i was looking at there's a criterion release of yeah. this and they have the extras on the criterion channel and they had um one of the extras they had i was looking at yesterday were the audition tapes yeah. of of um girls they considered for mia but they're all hip-hop dancing auditions yeah. and so what do you think of mia's dancing it's fine it's, it's not great it's actually not that <laughs> yeah. good she has more rhythm than the other girls in the opening scene. <laughs> so that's something that really struck me. And that's kind of the argument of like, when you find the right person, you find the right person. When you find Mia on the streets, and the story is that Andre Arnold's casting director, like saw Katie Jarvis, like in a shouting argument with yeah. her boyfriend at the train station that they end up shooting at in this movie. Yeah. And that's how they found her. But like the girls in the audition tapes I saw like, obviously, there was a call put out for 15-year-old hip-hop dancers. They're all amazing. I mean, yeah. they're amazing. They are hip-hop dancers. But they're, like, performers. And it's too... There were maybe one or two of them that seemed to have... That seemed to also have... Um, that that could be a Mia, maybe. Yeah. But the other ones were too put together, too good, too... I mean, it was, like, professional level, yeah. a lot of them. Hip-hop dancing. And I think it's almost... Imp- it almost works better that she's not that good, but that she's putting, she's going to put in the 10,000 hours or whatever. I mean, yeah. you're seeing her at the point where she's not that good yet, yeah, it's raw but talent. she's doing it every yeah. day and it's her raw talent. And whether or not 
she is objectively a good hip hop dancer, yet there's there's the drive inside and the need to do it that comes yeah. through that people see in her. Who knows what the freaking audition people saw? <laughs> Since they're <laughs> they're actually not casting for a hip hop dancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I think there's also the advantage that. Like compared to like a big production Hollywood movie where they're shooting on a set and they have, you know, there has to be, I mean, and it does take a lot of training to act in those circumstances, to act naturally when, you know, you only have half a building that you're standing in front of and there's a green screen beyond that and, you know, all of that. But like the independent films, because of the smaller scale have, I mean, like they filmed in that tiny council house apartment you know so it helps to have the real you know that's for for fantastic acting i think it helps to have a you know a real situation Mm -hmm. instead of you know a house with walls and yeah you know you know and sure there'll be lights and there'll be you know four extra people in the room or whatever but it's still like these tiny confines of this council house as opposed to like a you know, two-story set with, you know, lights coming out of the ceiling and, you know. So, I mean, like, it's it's just a different experience when you're shooting for that sort of reality sort of, sort of thing rather than, you know, when you've got, yeah you know, Will Smith playing a, a real-life person or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so it... It won the jury prize at Cannes that mm, year. I can see yeah. that. Yeah. And actually, almost every film Andrea Arnold made has yeah. won a prize at Cannes. American Honey also won the jury prize at Cannes mm. that year. And I think her first film as well. Isn't Sheila Booth in that one? Yes, he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the the lead is another undiscovered amateur yeah, yeah. that they that she found in LA or something. I don't even know. Yeah. But they did the same thing on that. I think that's her process with amateurs is is um, shooting in sequence a couple of pages of script at a time in linear order. Like that she, it worked so well in Fish Tank that she's she's still doing that when she films that kind of a movie. It sounds like, <laughs> sounds like she went off and did kind of a rambling road trip around America around the time mm. that she either inspired, either after she made the movie or before she made American uh, Honey. I don't know, but... We got to catch up with that one. You know, I just I haven't seen a lot of them vendors, but it it reminds me of Paris, Texas in a way, and I'm sure American Honey would be even more Paris, Texasy. You know, with the the roads and the or well, uh, Vim Vendors, yeah, he's a number of road movies, <laughs> yeah. right? Because I have that trilogy <laughs> that's got uh, um, Kings of the Road. Yeah, that's like yeah, that's his epic road movie. And Alice in the City is not really a road movie, but it's that same kind of understated, naturalistic drama thing. Yeah. Oh, I did want, I didn't want to, I wanted to mention uh, one of my favorite scenes is, uh, it's just before, it's the ending of the film. It's after her audition but before she gets in the car and drives away, I think it's actually when she's leaving the house. Yeah. She's, she goes up into her room and throws her clothes into her bag. And her sister's like, what do you need all that stuff for? How, how long are you going? You know, what's going on? And she's like, oh, fuck, I'm getting out of here. And she comes down the stairs 
and finds her mom dancing alone to one of her um, hip hop CDs, Nas, I think. Yeah. And uh, her mother's like, get the fuck out of, you know, just go on already. And then, and then Katie's just kind of standing there watching her mom kind of slowly dancing to it. And, And her mom's like, you know, this isn't bad, actually. This is, this is pretty nice. And, um, and without any words or anything, <laughs> Katie just goes and starts dancing with her mom in synchronization. Yeah. And the scene lasts, I don't know, a good two minutes. And then yeah. her little sister comes in and the three of them are just dancing to that song yeah. quietly. And I don't know why, but it like... Yeah, it's good. It, it brought tears to my mm. eyes. <laughs> it's just, just, it's one of those movies that... I mean, it's one of those scenes, I don't know if it was a scripted scene or something they just found when they were trying to find the right emotional beat for how does she leave? You know, what kind of goodbye does she Mm -hmm. give? But it's just a moment that feels true and, and some kind of connection between yeah. her and her mom some kind of goodbye i don't know you can't i don't even want to talk about it that much except to say it's beautiful and I, I love that scene i just i i it's it was a it's weird to say it's a movie i i liked the movie i enjoyed it uh, although i can't say that enjoyment is necessarily that i mean like i didn't feel so we saw florida project it's a lot like that. Yeah, but like Florida Project left me with this like hole in my mm-hmm. like I just I remember we got out of that movie and driving home and I just like felt empty and like poured out. I mean, it was just so I don't feel like I could experience the Florida Project again. No, I I don't, but I feel I like watch I could watch film. this again. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the the secret is is that, I mean, well, I mean, obviously it's this, like, this hope of, 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 of something, whatever that hope so would be. So this but, feels like the beginning of Mia's story. Yeah. I mean, I know we never get the rest of her story, but it doesn't feel like it ends in hopelessness and squalor. Yeah. You don't have to. I mean, we make up the ending in our mind, but it doesn't feel like it has to end. A lot of terrible things happen to people and they still go on and live their lives and they laugh and dance and have good experiences, even though there's a lot of not great stuff that happens, you know, and that's sort of the hope of humanity is that that in in the midst of how hard life is that you can find that 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 freedom, that that little bit of of something that's your own, you know, that yeah, that makes you unique and and human, and you know, one thing that I one last thing. Well, I don't know if it's the last thing, but one thing <laughs> that I think that. I don't know why that phrase that they're using on the Criterion channel right now, the female gaze or, or whatever, mm. that series of films yeah, they're doing right now, gaze. this could easily fit into that. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking about the way that Andrea Arnold shoots the dance scenes when Mia's mm-hmm. by herself. And um, a lot of the time they're filmed so close and so handheld where you're kind of just getting like her shoulder and her 
her head in profile, yeah. maybe in a dark room, and the camera's just kind of with her, like, moving with her. Yeah. As if you're her. And, like, it really captures, like, she wants you to feel like you are her in the zone with her. Yeah. You're not, like, across the room watching a girl dance. Yeah. You're, like, in her experience of dancing. I think it's really nicely done. And I think a variation of that is one of the times when she's rehearsing her piece, the one that she's going to do to California Dreaming, I think. She's alone in that. The the place where she... I mean, yeah. I think it's early morning from the quality of light or something, but instead of having her speakers out, she's doing it on earbuds. And Andrea Arnold chooses to shoot the scene without us hearing the music at all. Yeah. So we're just, we're just behind her, I think, pretty tight medium close-up or something as she's dancing and you just hear her breathing and you just hear the little bit of the rhythm coming out of the earbuds and then the kind of ambient sound of the the apartment block it's just kind of cool yeah well it's interesting because i mean what i imagine i mean is some to some level the sort of constraints imposed by the you know either financial or technological constraints but essentially and it's probably a choice by the director as well, but like this sort of like flat documentary style shots where you're not on an angle that you're yeah. looking directly into the flat or you're mm-hmm. looking directly at the character without, you know, whereas like I think a lot of like larger production films because they have cameras on cranes that they can move in any direction. Oh, so you yeah. get a lot of directionality from below or above or, oh, I think, you know, I think it's, I mean, I think it's consciously yeah. shot sort of documentary style mm. because of the subject matter and the locale yeah. and then the having to shoot in the, the in, those little rooms and yeah. stuff like that. But I think it just also lends itself to being told yeah. that way. That, opening scene where Mia comes out of dancing the first time and is stalking around trying to find her friend and then gets into the altercation and all that. Like, it's just bumpy handheld, like, moving with her. Like, you just... It's just like there's a camera... Like, documentary camera crew following her around at that point. Yeah. I don't know. We... It's easy to do... I mean, I'm not saying it's an easy choice, but I'm saying that when you do that, it does give us the it does give us the feeling of this is real like this is this is being ripped out of you know you're seeing this happen right now (laughs) we didn't have time to set up the camera in the perfect place i mean it's not all like that but there are scenes like that yeah well i mean yeah if you're shooting in a tiny thing you know yes it's 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 easier than it used to be because the cameras are smaller but um yeah what were we watching the other day where there was a lot of... Oh, it was Lady Snowblood. There was a lot of camera movement. Well, that's just... Yeah, Yeah, it was camera, interesting. That's going to be you know, almost comic book style. Yeah. All the different <laughs> shots and stuff put together. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's amazing how you could make the camera really conspicuous in, in a film. And I don't feel like the camera was very conspicuous at all in this like I mean like I don't even think I thought about like the story was engaging I didn't think about how this how the camera was you know it, it's one of those elements that disappears but I think that there's a lot of films well and and specifically a type of director that likes to use the camera and show off like 
you know, and, and it can change how you feel about a character just the way that they're shot, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think by making the camera inconspicuous like this is, then then you're sort of taking out that interpretation and allowing people to make their own mm-hmm you know, calls based on what the characters are doing and, you know, what their actions are and, and, and that sort of thing. So, I mean, not that I'm saying there's anything bad about it, but there are definitely different styles. And and then when you're talking about like the difference between like the male gaze and if like a female, you know, a film, you know, shot by, I would hate to see this movie directed by a man. No, like it would, they would have made something completely different about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, just, you can tell, especially when, like, shooting female bodies. Like, well, that's one point I'm yeah, trying to make. It's yeah. like, I think they would have filmed her differently. And her mother. Her mother differently. The dancing, you yeah. would have seen objectively as a yeah. as a girl dancing, I think. Yeah. And then they would have justified it as you're seeing it through the gaze of the Michael Fassbender character, but really you're seeing it through the gaze of the director as well, yeah. probably. Yeah. I would not want to see that movie. No, I don't. I don't think so. It wouldn't be as subtle. It wouldn't be as interesting. You know, it's it's interesting. We had just watched the Celine and Julie go boating. Celine yeah, and, Celine and Julie go boating, which is um, French New Wave. We had just watched it last weekend, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, there's a scene in that where it's you know a half nude scene. But the and and the director's male, but the way it's shot, it's just like a front, you know, sh- straight on view of you know. So it's not like to me, it's like nudity, but it wasn't sexualized. No, you know, it's just it's like this is the point in the story where she comes home and takes a shower or whatever. Yeah, you know? it's not. <laughs> well, she's having a conversation at the same time. Yeah. So, but um, I mean, like, it's not to say that that. That that it's a style of of shooting rather than uh, rather than a result of the gender of the person who made the film, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're in the realist camp in this yes. movie, and not the formalist camp That's of right. uh, Kubrick and Scorsese and yeah. all that kind of stuff, where it's all like they want you to see the shots and the way that it's constructed, yeah. and it's all artifice and it's all something manufactured. Yeah. That's the, the the way it's shot as part of the experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to even compare. I mean, like it's I mean it's easy to compare them, but well, it's yeah. hard to compare them as far as like I mean like I, yeah. well, I, I mean, enjoy a film, Tarantino film who uses yeah. like every trick in the book. But I sure. also love, you know, these you know, far more subtle and there aren't. There isn't only one way to shoot something. There <laughs> aren't a, two ways to shoot yeah. something. There's everything in between as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I spent. I think a lot of my earlier, uh, you know, love of film and first, like you know, when I wanted to be a movie director and like being first becoming a film geek, more into the stuff that's like overtly like this is a movie. This is like look at these yeah. shots and oh my god, the camera move and like that's. Yeah. You know, and then after a while, you kind of move on. Yeah. You look for more than that. Then when you're 50, you're looking for truth. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to find something about me, the meaning of life, just as you are in every book you pick up or whatever, too. Well, I, don't know. I, was, I was trying to think of it, because I'm staring at a big picture of Juliette Binoche. Um, yeah. That film that we saw, um, 
recently? Uh, no, it was like a year and a half ago or something like that. The one where you're not sure if they're an old married couple. Oh, Certified, certified Copy, copy. By Abbas Kirstani. And like, that movie was so fascinating. I can't tell you what the camera was doing. I have no idea what was going on. No, because my mind was working so hard yeah. to try and figure out what was happening. <laughs> we, need to, we need to cover that. I we love need to watch movie. it again and cover it on the podcast. We should talk about that. It's fascinating. Yeah. Although that we saw it together, it's not one of us saw it first. We actually yeah. saw that together. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, yeah, sometimes when when you're in this, like, just like this movie, it's yeah. it's hard to know what's going on with the you know if you've got a good enough story and interesting. No, I mean, some characters. of the things I pointed out, I'm cheating because when I couldn't, we saw this like two weeks ago. Yeah. Well, yesterday I was like, I'm gonna look at the first ten minutes of the movie. I'm gonna look at the last ten movies to kind of make it fresh again. So that's yeah. why I'm able to. And then I went through and was like, how did they film the, the dancing? So I did kind of yeah. go back because I, I needed to become reacquainted with it, even just a couple weeks later. It and, does yeah. seem like it's a lot of, it was like seeing it through her eyes, you yeah. know. So you identify very strongly with the with Mia, you know, or I did. Yeah. You know. I did too. <laughs> anyway. You, we've gone on a long, oh, yeah. long time over an hour, so I uh, think that we should cool down here. But if you have any, do you have anything else you wanted to mention before we um, say goodbye? I don't. I think I said all the things. So okay, <laughs> I know I did too. I, I think I got through my three pages of scribbled yeah. notes um, naturally, just in the conversation. All right. Well, I'm glad that yeah, it led to such a good conversation and that yeah, you liked the movie. It did. Yay. I've been wanting to do it for a long time, but I I'm I'm a mood watcher. Yeah. When we when it's time for my choice for the it's always like what mood are we in? What mood am I in? Which one do I pull out this time? Yeah. So it was time for Fish Tank. Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get Maybe another we'll choose. one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening and join us again. And um, you're always welcome to drop us an email at shutupwatchthis at gmail.com if you want to chime in on anything we're talking about. Um, correct our misconceptions about anything. Or, <laughs> no. Um, anyway, thank you for listening. And we'll be back uh, with Ashley's Choice next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.